Hello, hi. Hey, Julie. Welcome to the Rise for Educators podcast. I'm Julie. And I'm Holly. And we are instructional coaches and sister-in-laws who decided to take our teacher talk out of the corner of our family gatherings and put it into a podcast. So each week we talk about knowing where you are on the ladder. And the ladder really represents your nervous system. So the top rung is green, which is safe and social. The middle rung is yellow, which is fight or flight. And the bottom rung is red, which is shutdown. We also share a tool each week you can use to improve your state of well-being. We organize these tools in a self-care system that we created called RISE. Each letter represents a category. R is for tools that help you reset your body. I is for tools to help you recreate your inner voice. S is for social tools that help you to show up in the world with other people in an effective way. And E is for environment, for tools that help you redesign your outer world so that you can feel better in your inner world. So thank you everyone for joining us today. Our topics today are going deeper with the ladder, finding your patterns, and using the RISE system as a checklist. So I'm going to start out with my check-in and my check-in is I got the most, I've gotten the most amazing emails from a couple of colleagues and one of them I got last night and it just sort of stopped me in my tracks. It was from a colleague of mine that grew up in Mexico and her email read, one thing that came to mind as soon as I heard you ladies talking about the different levels of emotions using the ladder was how culturally different this is for me. I'm not sure if this is specific to the way in which I grew up or if this is the case for many Mexican families, but in our culture, it's a sign of weakness to recognize how you're feeling. If you're in a bad mood, as an example, then you simply just do something about it to change it, but you don't talk about it or recognize that your emotions are changing. This self-awareness is so important for your mental well-being. So I received that from uh, an amazing colleague of mine, and it just really kind of, uh, first of all, I and like she said, she doesn't know if this is all Mexican families or her experience, but it just really made me realize as educators how culturally aware we need to be that we are not, we don't all speak the same language and many cultures do not talk about their feelings. And a lot of people in general don't talk about their feelings. I mean, like, you know, a lot of our, um, you know, the people that lives are not people that talk about their feelings and that's okay. But in terms of being an educator and thinking about our colleagues and our students who are coming, um, you know, we're all coming from different backgrounds, that is just something to be mindful of. And I thought it was so interesting and that she said it is important that she feels it's important, but this isn't how she was raised. And um, so I think it's just something to reflect on. And I really just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I just really appreciate um, that kind of feedback because it's just, it helps us to broaden our, our lens as people. And I think we, that's something we all need to do. So that is my check-in for the week. I love that she's talking about, you know, both her, I think the talking about herself and saying like, being so reflective and thinking like, this is where this comes from, you know, this is difficult for me. Right. And this is why it's like so powerful. Um, but I also right. think your point about, you know, that's so true. We all come from these different walks of lives, lives and it, life, life, I think. <laughs> and um, right, yeah. Yeah. And I think we talk so much like about students and we're understanding how important recognizing their cultures are and validating where they're coming from um, is, but I think that's really true. You know, it's, it, it's also important with our colleagues. So 
Um, yeah, if somebody's not, you know, I know when I talk to my husband about that, he's like, Holly, I just, I don't always think about it this way. <laughs> you know, like I don't go right. so deep. Yeah. Um, but right. you know, sometimes yeah. it is maybe like your ethnicity, but I think it also could be like a gender culture or, mm-hmm. um, and right. I don't want to stereotype because I think everybody's different, but, um, yeah, you know, that people come from where they are and they're more open for different reasons. So yeah, that's really cool. Um, okay. So my check-in for this week, two super amazing things happened to me this week. Um, the first one is I was alone in my house for the first time since this I'm really whole jealous. pandemic has started. <laughs> I love being alone in my house. Yeah. Well, you know what? Usually yeah. I, I'm not like a real be, be by myself all the time kind of person or a lot kind of person. Like I usually like to have a buddy to go with me and I love having my girls with me. Like I'm, I'm always convincing them like, let's go on a walk together. But I think why it was so amazing is it was like a touch of normalcy. Um, oh, for sure. That yeah. We haven't had. And I was like, oh, this is like a flashback to what life used to be like. Um, mm-hmm. so that was the one super amazing thing. The other amazing thing is that I went to target for the first time in ages. I mean, maybe since this whole thing started, um, my husband, Rick usually does all the grocery shopping and he likes to go and I'm more of a homebody. So that kind of works for us. Um, but last week, Julie, you and I were talking about, I was like, Oh, you should see this picture. And she's like, Holly, this is how everybody looks when they go. Right. Out. I was like, how you really need to get out. <laughs> I was like, I need yeah. to take a field trip. So uh, yes, there's a, there's a new water. world out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went on my field trip and I went and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot this world existed. And I was like, oh, there's like, you know, Target has its colorful summer stuff out. So there's this like bocce ball set that's in like all these pastel colors and this pineapple string of light. And I'm walking by everything like, oh, wow. Um, I'm like, I know, oh, like, Joanna yeah. and Chip, I've missed you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know. But then, you know, sure enough, like you're looking around and you're like, okay, not many people are here. Everybody's wearing masks. That is like, I'm trying to like negotiate this whole new environment with, I totally didn't understand. I didn't realize there were going to be like arrows on the floor. So pretty yeah. sure I violated all <laughs> kinds of like new cultural norms. Um, uh, but so I was thinking to myself, cause I've been doing all this ladder work. I'm like, where am I in the ladder? How am I feeling? I'm like, I am feeling weird. And I don't know where that fits on the ladder, but I was like, yeah, this feels like amazing and strange and crazy. And wow. Yeah. Right. It's all over. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm jealous that your husband does the grocery shopping and I know he does the cooking and it's interesting because his brother does not do that. So I'm really jealous of that. And I'm, and I, I love being alone in my house. So, and that does, I, I have had a little um, window yesterday where I was alone and that does like feel normal. And it's like, I think you're, we're starting to notice like when something feels normal, it's like, yeah, that feels kind of good. And one of my neighbors said to me, let's do something normal. Like, let's like, you know, I can't wait to just get back to normal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, so, uh, that brings us to our listener feedback, which is actually another email I received from a colleague that was just amazing. And she says, um, I just finished listening to episode five and I really felt like you were speaking directly to me. I thought I was the only one who feels anxious during Google meets. I talk to my husband about this all the time. I always feel like I'm the one wrapping up the Google meets or the zooms with family and friends, which is so different than how I am in regular social situations. 
My husband and I are social. We love to be around others. For some reason on Google Meets, I'm not a fan. I get anxious too. I've tried sitting outside on the few occasions that the weather and my Google Meet time collide. And per your advice, I will continue to try and change my location for upcoming Google Meets without bumping into one of my other family members. And I just... First of all, that was so validating because sometimes when I say things on this podcast, it's like, should I say that? Or like, who's listening? And are they going to be judgmental? And there's that vulnerability piece. So first of all, I just like so appreciate any feedback. And that just felt really good. And it just kind of speaks to like things are not normal right now. And staring at a computer screen all day is just really not normal. And um, and I do have a lot of anxiety around that. And I'm trying to figure out ways to deal with, you know, I'll feel anxious one minute. And um, I, today I just like went for a walk around the block um, with my cup of coffee just to like take a breath. And I'm actually living really dangerously and leaving the house without my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I mean, yeah, which is scary. So anyway, that was some listener feedback that I just thought was amazing and um, keep it coming. Yeah. And I, I love the part where she talks about, you know, like, what's going on? Because in normal situations, I'm super social. And like, this is not an issue. But like this new, new environment is like, I'm acting so differently. And, and I think I'm finding myself doing that too. Like, wait, that's not the normal me. That's not how I usually do things. But it's like, it's not a normal time. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that listener and I are very similar because I'm super social. And I mean, I'm when people are saying, Hey, let's do a Google meet. I'm like, you know what, let's like for a cocktail hour, I'm, I'm kind of over that. I'm like, you know what? Just like when the weather's nice, just coming over because I just do not have, I, I cannot look at a computer screen. I just, it makes me feel um, uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah. So that was just good to know that I'm not the only one feeling that way. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So I think it's time for a disclaimer. Uh, rem- just a quick reminder that we are instructional coaches, not mental health professionals or doctors. So please look to the professional community for additional support if you need it. Okay, so moving on to our first topic is going deeper into the ladder. And what this is about is really kind of understanding and living the ladder. And for me, that's been a little bit of a slow drip. Um, and But now that I'm understanding that the ladder represents our nervous system, and I'm sort of seeing pe- behaviors around me as people's nervous systems, it really is helpful in interpreting the world and um, kind of having better interactions with the people and situations in your life. I was listening to the Polyvagal podcast again, and Justin made the comment that he was in an elementary school. And rather than looking around and thinking, oh, my God, all these annoying kids, he said to himself, oh, my gosh, look at all these little nervous systems running around. And I, that just kind of stuck with me because it's like a way that you're looking at this human being or these people around you and everyone has a nervous system and everyone's nervous systems are in some kind of a state. And if you can recognize that and recognize that in yourself and really like tune into what your body's telling you, um, it can be really helpful. So I'm just kind of starting to um, live the ladder and, um, and use that knowledge to help me in my life. So today we thought it would be um, good to maybe do some practice in terms of thinking of the ladder, sort of exercising our ladder muscle by thinking through and processing a couple of scenarios. So I'm going to read a scenario right now about you and a colleague. So go ahead and imagine yourself in this conversation. 
And also, if you can kind of think of this in terms of where these people uh, in the scenarios are in terms of the ladder and where you might be on the ladder, um, rather than thinking about their behaviors. So here is the scenario. Scenario one, you're sitting outside in your backyard, sipping on an iced coffee, enjoying the spring weather when your phone rings. It's a friend from work. You pick up the phone and your friend quickly asks, do you have time to talk? Sure, you say. You can hear the panic in her voice. This friend colleague is not tenured and is having anxiety about the end of the year staff meeting. She asks you if you've heard anything about next year's teaching assignments. She has heard that the principal may be eliminating some positions and she's really stressed out about it. She's also heard that some teachers may be moved to different schools. She's already been moved twice in the past two years, so she knows this is a possibility for her. Then she mentions that she has heard that the principal would like to move all staff around to different positions in the building, even tenured teachers. You are a tenured teacher and you've been enjoying your position for the past five years. You think to yourself, wait, what? Now take a moment to think about where your friend was on the ladder when she called you. Where were you on the ladder when you picked up the phone? And finally, where were you on the ladder at the end of the conversation? So take a moment to reflect. Most likely you realize that you were sitting in your backyard, probably hanging out in the safe and social zone at the top of the ladder before the call. As you listen to your friend, you most likely started to slip down the ladder into the yellow. When she mentions that she's heard even tenured teachers' positions may be changed, you probably fell even further down the ladder. Maybe you could picture yourself hanging up with this friend and then calling another person, colleague, to verify or perpetuate the rumor that would maybe come from a place of fight or flight energy. Or maybe you just can't deal with being moved to a different job and you start to shut down. You head inside maybe, you grab a snack and you veg out in front of the TV for the rest of the day. How could your awareness of the latter help you in this situation? So this is just kind of something to think about how the latter would play out. If you look at this through the lens of everyone's nervous systems, you might be able to process this a little differently and kind of at least have self-awareness around how you're responding when you get negative news or how you're responding when people are kind of stressed out and asking you for help. So that's just what today is about. Going deeper in the ladder is just sort of recognizing um, people's nervous systems and the state and how it's making you feel and how you're responding. So that was our first situation. I was going to say, Julie, um, in that situation, I think the interesting piece there is like where where you're deciding like, okay, maybe I'm going to call somebody else. And you're trying, I think in that case, you're probably trying to leverage the social piece because we know we are social, social creatures. And one of the best ways right. that you can move yourself up the ladder is to co-regulate um, with somebody who's in the safe and social, which might be why this colleague was even reaching out to you in the first place. Um, just right. intuitively. But if you go into the fight or flight and then, you know, do contact somebody else, like, is that really serving your nervous system? I think that's a great point because I think, I mean, I definitely have done this before. I think a lot of people do, you know? Right. Yeah. 
Right. And that person probably was calling you because they were falling down the ladder, not feeling good. They want you to make them feel better. And then that's, are you going to help them feel better? Or are you, are you bringing yourself or are they bringing you down the ladder? And then are you going to continue that cycle? So yeah. it's just kind of food for thought as to how we interpret what people say to us, how it makes us feel and what we do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's scenario two. Um, and really it's about, you know, during this time we're all sheltering in place and we have a, one benefit is we're having a lot of family time. Um, and I know a lot of families, mine plays cards every night, you know, a lot of families play games, maybe they're making TikTok videos. Um, so imagine yourself in this scenario and think about where everyone's nervous system is. Okay. So here's the scenario. Your family has decided to, to have a game night. You pull out the Uno cards and deal them out. Everyone's laughing, having a great time. Your daughter plays a draw two card on your son. He sighs, but draws two cards. A few plays later, the reverse card is played. And now you play a draw two card on your son. Now he grits his teeth and he says, really, mom? Then begrudgingly grabs two more <laughs> cards from the pile. The direction is reversed again. And this time around, your daughter plays a draw four card, a wild one, on your son and yells, yes, Uno, waving her one card victoriously in the air. Your son slams his cards down on the table and says, this sucks. Then he shrinks in his chair and thrusts out his lip. And then your husband says, this was supposed to be fun. He, he, he leaves the table and he goes out to work on his project in the garage. So now take a moment to think about where your son was on the ladder as the game progressed. And where was everyone else? And where were you likely on the ladder when the game ended? So just take a moment to reflect. How could your awareness of the ladder help you in this situation? So I was thinking like most likely when the game started, everyone wanted to stay safe and social, but I think competitions kind of bring this out in people. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think that's why I'm not a game player. I'm not competitive at all. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No. And I was going to say, you know, like sometimes I think as a parent, you're like grappling between, well, you know, he has to deal with these situations. So like maybe just give him more of it. Like, you know, are that like, stop being such a baby or, you know, come on, it's just a game. But like that other piece of, of, you know, um, treating somebody like, or, you know, understanding that your role, when you really think about it as a ner nervous system, like his nervous system is dysregulated. So mm -hmm. how could you really use those co-regulation pieces to get him into a better place and hopefully show him, model for him, like this is how, how you get yourself into a better place when you're feeling that way. Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like acknowledging like games are hard sometimes because it doesn't feel good to lose, but what's the purpose of playing the game? You know, the purpose is that again, kind of similar to the first scenario, it's a social connection. Like, but when we connect with people, um, we sometimes trigger each other. Yeah. 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 So the awareness is key. Yeah. Um, okay. So that kind of leads us to our next um, topic, which is patterns. And, you know, sometimes like 
when I'm thinking about like families, family game nights and the way families relate to each other, we often have patterns in our families of how we uh, respond to each other. And we also have patterns with how we interact with certain colleagues and friends. And we have patterns of our own behavior and how we just interact with ourselves, like with our just simple daily habits. Um, So all of us have patterns and most likely we have some patterns that are not serving us. Um, So that's kind of where the self-awareness piece comes in to kind of stop and notice, um, you know, how you're feeling, assess yourself on the ladder. And if you're not feeling great, that's the time to kind of notice, like, are there people or situations in your life that are triggering you to move down the ladder? And can you do or say something different to get a different result? And I kind of have like a little bit of a, uh, something that I tried, I called it my Marie Kondo experiment. Um, I, I think it was a year ago, I was into the Marie Kondo book. Um, it's like the tidy book. I know she has also a special on Netflix and I think it's the life changing magic of tidying up. And I had read the book and I decided I'm going to organize my entire house. And I actually did it. And I went room by room and I started to feel annoyed, started to move down the ladder because the rest of my family was not really on board (laughs) and I was wanting people to pick up and I was wanting them to organize and they weren't. And I knew, I mean, I may have started out by like nagging some people, particularly my husband about cleaning his (laughs) office up. And I realized like it was pissing me off and I was pissing everyone else off and it wasn't working. And I realized like, this isn't working. Like oftentimes you tell people to do something and they're just not going to do it. Well, I just happened to read uh, a snippet in, in Marie Kondo's book. And she says, you know, oftentimes when one family member is organizing, it's just best to go about your organizing and, you know, not saying things to the rest of your family members and that they will kind of follow suit. So I decided to take that advice because I realized, and at the time I wasn't involved in this ladder technology, but I just didn't like feel great uh, about like nagging everyone. So I decided I'm just not gonna let it bother me. And I cleaned, I cleaned, I cleaned, and it worked. It worked because I intentionally just sort of changed my normal pattern of maybe nagging people to clean up. And um, it didn't work 100%. I didn't have like little tidy people following (laughs) me around the house. But I mean, it was like some people just, you know, some family members started cleaning up a little bit. And I intentionally changed a pattern that was that where I knew I wasn't feeling great. And I was affecting other people in my family. So that is my Marie Kondo experiment. It makes me laugh because it's like co-regulation is really mind control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I hope they don't listen to this podcast. Actually, then they'll be like, what? <laughs> that's what you were doing. <laughs> but it actually yeah. is mind control. You're thinking up try your this. systems and, and hoping that, you know, if you stay in the safe and social, which part of that is being organized and not having a lot of clutter that, you know, other people will sync up with that. So that was an amazing experiment. <laughs> yes. Should send that yes. into a journal of some kind. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things we were talking about and Justin uh, was talking about on the Polyvagal podcast, how like, you know, he has these go-to patterns and then um, his co-host mm-hmm. Mercedes was talking about hers. I think he talked to Deb Dane about hers. And um, that was really enlightening for me because I was like, okay, so what are my go-to patterns? And these are like your neural pathways because it's all about your nervous system. These are mm-hmm. the pathways that are most strongly developed, you know, so it doesn't mean you spend a lot of time here. Maybe you do, but these are the places when you do fall down the ladder, you're most likely to go. So I thought that was like a really good question to consider um, because if that's your most common one, 
you can probably target it and make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So right. I was thinking like, okay, so what's my go-to pattern? And I, I, for me, for sure, I mean, I have other places that I go, but for me, for sure, um, I go to the yellow and I especially go to flight. And what's interesting about that, it's not always like I'm scared that I know, I mean, I think it, it is, there's fear associated with it. Um, but I find it, there are other times that I go there. Like in, if I'm in the middle of a creative process, like I love being creative and coming up, like coming up with this podcast and things like that, totally up my alley. But whenever I'm in a project, I am a hundred percent driven, super focused, um, tons of extra energy. I'm like a whirlwind of energy. Well, all of those qualities are all in the yellow, like hyper-focus, extra mm-hmm. energy. And, you know, it does serve me in some ways because I think it, it provides me the motivation and, you know, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. So that's part of it is that, that mixed state of safe and social, because that is like the enjoyment, the flow state, but with right. mine, there's definitely like a, um, if there's a flight, like a rapid heartbeat, I can, I can feel it like a clenched muscles. And I was thinking like, gosh, it'd be so great to enjoy that process. You know, I always enjoy the product, which is why I think I go, go that way. Some, sometime in my past, I realized like, if I do this at the end, I get this like, ah, at the end when the project's done. Um, right. But I, it would be so much better if I could just be chill during the process and really enjoy it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that's probably my go-to state. And I notice that um, what's crazy about this and why I think I really do need to make some changes is um, I was telling Julie this, that uh, I've noticed a few times, like during the last few weeks when we've been heavy into the podcast and like, you know, kind of like trying to work out some of the kinks, um, which I love. I love that part where we're trying to figure things out, um, that creative process. But uh, two different times I was in the car with each of my girls and they were driving. So I think I had an opportunity to kind of like think about where I was. And I'm not really nervous about them driving at all. Um, they're both good drivers. But I noticed I was having a little bit of like um, the flight symptoms. And I was like, OK, nothing is happening right now. And I am enjoying being with them. So what's going on? But I, we talk about getting stuck in a state. And I think that's what that's what happens to me is that when I'm in these these creative modes and I'm going and going and going like I'm living in that state 24 seven. And my kids will say, are you still thinking about the podcast? Like, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't calm down. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you always talk about like you your sleeping issues. Yes. Yes. It's like you can't seem to turn your body off. Yeah. 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 And all of that, I think, goes to the flight. Right. So how about yeah. you, Julie? What do you think your go-to well, is? Well, so I, I, I have a hard time thinking what my go-to is. I think it depends on the situation. I, um, as social as I am, I also have learned over probably the past five years that I definitely need alone time to recharge. And if I'm in too many social situations with too many people, um, it really stresses me out. And so when that happens, I tend to go into shutdown. And that does not always serve me because I definitely have hurt some friends' feelings um, over the years because of my shutdown mode. Um, So I'm really working on balancing um, being social and really knowing when I need to recharge. So I think with social situations, I go into shutdown. Um, 
because I just kind of feel just like super stressed out, which actually could be happening when I'm on Google meets for like an hour and a half. It's almost like I get this like trapped feeling, which is kind of the feeling I get if I'm around people too much <laughs> is I just feel like, Oh, I just need to get away. Um, and that is why um, uh, my go-to tool to help is walking because walking and movement really, really helps me, um, which actually leads us to our final topic, which is using rise as a checklist, uh, which is what I tend to do. So if I'm not feeling great, I kind of go through RISE and just think, what, what can I do something that's going to help? And I do usually as a checklist, reset my body, which for me usually looks like walking. And I'm really experimenting with some breath work with walking, which is the most helpful thing for me. Um, I even participated this week in a meeting on Google Meets, <laughs> in a staff meeting, <laughs> you did it. as I was walking <laughs> on Google Meet. And uh, my principal said, because uh, I had my camera off and my mic off, my principal said, Lannert's probably out walking. And I was, and I turned my camera and I thought, well, I'm just going to be honest. I'm listening. I mean, <laughs> but I just can't deal with sitting and doing, cause I, it really was, it causes me anxiety. So, um, walking is my, are my body reset. My internal voice is, is just usually like, I can do this. I got this. Um, you know, the S is like how I have to do a self check with myself. How am I connecting with my friends? Am I connecting enough? Um, and, and then my environment is usually like going outside and, or being near light helps me. So I do use rise as a checklist, just like RISE kind of go through that and see if I can put myself in a better place. It's just kind of a quick check. Yeah. Yeah. And I, love and I know Holly, you tend to use it. Like, I think you're working on like deeper patterns where I need to work on patience because I don't have a lot of patience sometimes to work on deeper problems, which I need to, <laughs> but I tend to just be like, boom, boom, boom. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix it. And you know, so, yeah. Um, but I know you said you were working on some like long-term habits. Well, yeah. And I think prompted by last week's episode about um, the virtual environment where I realized like, okay, so it, all of this just recently had happened where I was in the car and I was like, why am I feeling this flight? And I was attributing it to the podcast. But then last week we were doing the virtual habits and I was like, all right, I have terrible virtual habits right now. And they're getting worse, you know, mm -hmm. through this whole pandemic, yeah. every week they're getting worse and worse. Um, so I was like, you know, all right, let me rise it. And I use rise as a checklist too. So I was like, all right, the E was the environment. So like, I was like, what's causing me, what can I make changes in here? And so I was like, all right, my virtual environment is the one that I'm going to pick. Um, mm -hmm. And how am I, how am I going to reset my body to help with all of this stress? Um, I'm going to, so I've been doing yoga and I had done that at the beginning of the pandemic, but I had a little injury that, you know, side, side swiped me for a while. Um, hmm. So I, I know that. yeah, I mean, just small, but um, yeah. So my, daughter Kyla and I have been doing yoga every day in the morning. Um, and I usually meditate every day, but those are things because I was all in on the podcast, a hundred percent in, I was thinking about all the time, like all these habits that are usually in my life, um, were, you know, going to the wayside. So I was like, all right, need to re, mm -hmm. you know, redo my body, reset my body. So I'm going to put those in place. Um, as far as my inner voice, I'm, my big thing is I want to be responsive to people. That's sort of my issue online, which is why I was spending so much time there. And so it was like, there's time, there's time. Nobody's, you know, nobody needs a oh, response right away. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then um, social. So something at the beginning of the year I had read was for teachers connect or cor connect before you correct with students. And so okay. really I've kind of yeah. taken that just connect first 
um, mm-hmm. kind of shortened that for me is like, it, it doesn't really matter about anything that's happening right now. The most important thing is what's going on with that person right now. So um, I think that's true with my family too. Like I need to, instead of being connected to the podcast, which is like more of a thing, like really connect with my family. So I've been doing great with my multitasking media. I'm, I'm hardly checking my phone at all. I'm actually usually putting it in a different place. Um, and then again, E is the environment. So that's how I've used it as a checklist to kind of really revamp um, how I'm okay. feeling and getting at some of those deeper patterns. Okay. Okay. So the challenge this week is to monitor how you feel when you use the ladder and the rise checklist. Um, it doesn't have to go in order. So like I did E as an entry for environment. Um, so whatever works for you, make it your own. And uh, we have a visual on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So um, you can print it out, recreate it. We always believe that the most powerful tools are when you actually write it out and personalize it. So this week is about putting it all together, using the ladder to monitor your state of body and mind and using rise tools to level yourself up. Let us know if you tried this and how it worked for you. You can contact us via email at riseforeducators at gmail. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Rise for Educators, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for tuning in and join us next Monday for our next episode of Rise for Educators. Bye, Hal. Until next week. Bye, Julie.